the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. Freedom in Christ, Session 12. This session is called, Where Are You Going? two sessions left and we may pop, pop back to one because it's a very important one but this one is quite fortuitous it's it's the heading of this one is where are you going where are you heading good question isn't it um uh, especially in this particular psalm searching all we've a year's gone by i know the year's been telling what goes quicker than ever didn't it and i think what have you done last year he's gone and uh, we're into 2021 I, I can't believe that either um and here we are but the the ultimate is where are we heading in Next year, when we look back, what will you be able to say? Have I achieved what I want to do? Have I gone, got to where I have? And I suppose goals, we're going to, we're going to dis- discern between goals and desires because it's quite interesting how he, how he dis- uh, distinguishes them, which is very interesting. But ultimately, we need to have God's goals. Not good goals, nothing wrong with good goals. Like I, a good goal by next year may be, I'm going to be a stone lighter. I don't need to be a stone lighter. I'm at my fighting weight all the time. I never weigh. But um, it's interesting that Jesus, um, four things he grew in. If you, if you read Luke 2, I was just reading a book last night, in the, and it was a particular minister, and he was, he was um, in an accountability group, and four things they wanted to grow in, uh, physically, relationally, spiritually, and intellectually. Jesus grew in all those areas. Really good. To, uh, and, and of course, he said once a month they would come together and they would challenge us. Now, he said he wanted to swim twice a week. So they would challenge him over that. And then he was going to do something with his wife and his kids relationally. And then intellectually, he was going to read more books, get his mind. He got to stimulate your mind. And spiritually, he was going to look at a particular attribute of God um, every month. And, and that's good to do. And, and, and good, they are good goals. But we need to get to see what God wants to do. Now, their goals are not bad in themselves, but we've got to be careful that the outcomes are not dependent upon other people uh, or other circumstances we cannot control. Ah, because that's a real, real difficult one because there are people, uh, my wife, I'd like her to do as I say all the time. That is a great goal I've got, but... That is outside of my control, sadly. So we're going to look at the difference between goal and desire, and we're going to really get down to the nitty-gritty of what God wants for your life. See, the great thing about it, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. We need to just rest and remain. If you're young, these boys at the back, we're worried about our jobs, and some of us older ones can, would witness to you that some of us uh, haven't had a job, and God has brought a job along to us. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what our future held, but we put our lives in his hands, and the amazing, we are 30, 40 years down the road, and God's taken care of us, and he's blessed us. Uh, why? Because we've, we've allowed the decision to be in his hands. Very important that uh, in every area. So our Christian walk, our Christian walk, um, so important and so important to examine our hearts at the beginning of a year to prepare ourselves for a new year. Let's read, um, we look, look at a couple of verses on Sunday, but this is a great verse which we, we read nearly every Sunday, not quite every Sunday, for breaking of bread. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 29. 
After the same manner also, he took the cup after he supped, saying, the New Testament of my blood, this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will show the Lord's death in the cup. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthy, he shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not to serve the Lord's word. So we've got to examine our hearts. We've got to examine our belief system again and our goals um, to make sure they what God desires, God wants, and to put them in a, in a right order. Of course, ultimately, as we say every year, the most important thing is my intimacy with the Lord. Am I growing closer to him? Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, my character growing. We'll come to that in the end. And really, my grace testimony is growing. And I'm defining my time by eternity. We have to look at the fruit of our lives right at the end. Now, be careful. We must be careful to examine our hearts. This is interesting. Um, little boy playing golf, and he's just started 10 years of age. I wanted Josh to start playing golf. He could have made me some lot of money then, boys. Anyway, well, of course, when you're about 10, you, you're driving about 60 or 70 meters, aren't you? Well, of course, he may not drive straight if he's driving 15 degrees off. 60 or 70 meters, he's not going to be, still going to be probably on the fairway when he drives, isn't he? But of course, the older he gets, he's going to be driving further, 150 meters. Now, if he's still 15 degrees off, he's going to be further in the rough. And when he becomes a full-grown man, if he ever drives 300 yards, 300 meters, maybe not. But if he's 15 degrees off then, he's going to be miles off. He's going to be in the water. So as new Christians, 15 degrees off in what you believe... Perhaps some people think that success means having a nice house and a good job. When we're young Christians, that's probably not so disastrous. Sadly, if you keep with that bad thinking, wrong thinking, the older you get, the more dissatisfied and empty you get. And it's called a midlife crisis then, of course. So that's why we need to check our faulty thinking and our goals and our belief system and line it up with God's word. We said, I remember saying uh, that uh, that pilot in years gone by, now they got everything automated, of course, they used to check one in 60, one in 60. Every 60 miles, they would check if they were on course. If they were one mile out of 60, uh, that would be, mean they were one degree off their course, which means they have to recheck their course. Isn't that amazing? You say, how, how much is what? One degree, you wouldn't even notice it. Um, let me just show how one degree is. If you, if you look at the well, big clock back there, if you go from 7 o'clock to 7.01, one minute, it, that's six degrees. So it's one-sixth of that. So you wouldn't even notice it on your watch. You wouldn't even notice. You may tonight after speaking so long. You may, you know, you might not notice one degree. That's why it's important to check because just a little bit off, but the end result can be a mile off, a miles off. You're going across the Atlantic, you end up down in Philadelphia instead of New York, miles away. Why? Because you've not checked what we are. We are walking by faith, according to God's word, keeping close to him. 2 Corinthians 5 six to nine. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in his body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim that the present or absence, absent to be well pleasing to him. 
walking by faith does this. It keeps our eyes on the Lord and eternity. See, the sad thing about it, we bring our eyes down to time and, and invest in this world. And of course, it's passing. So what he's doing, he's walking by faith, he's keeping your eyes on the Lord, keeping your eyes on eternity, and also everything we want to do is to please the Lord. He said, I find what I'm doing, I'm trying to please the Lord. So we ask questions of ourselves, Lord, is this pleasing to you? In, in, in our decisions, in our actions, in our behavior, in our attitudes, in, our, in everything, is this pleasing to you? We looked at emotions about a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, um, and we said we are not to disregard our emotions neither are we to be dictated to by our emotions we are to deal with them and we'll we, we give ourselves the, the the standard to do that but um practically from the day we're born we have a god-shaped void pascal says a god-shaped void and we will try to uh, make ourselves happy successful fulfillment satisfaction live in peace and so on so on forth um and we have goals and plans to achieve that some people do some are well-intended plans are not sadly in harmony with God's plans for us and we need to look at those and uh, thankfully the Bible not just we've got to have the balance here because so often we can say uh, I, I'm feeling this now be very careful but we have that we are built like that so we have in, implanted in us red flags to stop us and to check us and to be careful but we must never ever forget the holy spirit and god's word and never elevate our feelings oh dear i feel like this well be careful um but we have those built into us to check check be careful now because um use the care someone read jonah jonah chapter one and i've got verse uh four to six is it but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the waves that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him, and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. Now, you see, we look at, we look at, at, at those, those anxiety, anger, depression, and those things that check us to see if our goals and desires are right. But be careful because we see there a classic example of Jonah. Uh, the, he was the only one sleeping and at peace in the boat and he was the one at fault <laughs> so we've got to be careful that's why we need the holy spirit we need to be close to god's word close to the holy spirit so he's speaking into us why because they, they were frightened to death absolutely and if if sailors are frightened you know it's a storm don't you you know it's some kind of storm and uh, but he's the only one sleeping so we've got to be careful listen to this these verses um from uh, acts um see let's just drop back a bit sorry when we experience or uh, something leaves us with a feeling of anger, anxiety, or depressed. These can be emotional signposts that alert us to the possibility that we work into a wrong goal on a faulty, wrong belief system. Thankfully, when we, as we said before, when we have these emotions, we deal with them. We go to the Lord. David said, in my distress, 
I called on the Lord. I called on the Lord. I went to the Lord. So that's always getting back in line with the Lord. What about this for an illustration? Young lady, she's 16. She wants to go to a concert. And the, the group she wants to go to see is not a, a, a very edifying group, let's say. Goes to her mother, mum, and my friends, of course, my friends are going to this particular uh, concert. Can I go? Oh, mum said, okay, well, who is it? Um, it's this particular group. She said, oh, I haven't heard good things about them. That's, that's not, they're not very nice. They, they, their language is, is poor and their behavior. I don't really want you to go to see those. Oh, come on, mum. Come on, ma'am. Of course, at that age, she thinks her happiness is all around her friends and what they can do and, and wish she go. And of course, if she can't go, her happiness will be blown forever, of course. That's what she thinks. And her mum says, I'm sorry, I, I can't let you go. And she becomes angry. Of course, uh, they don't stop to the children. They, um, if she can go to mum, she go to dad then. And then she come back to mum and she, she's, she's playing and, pry, you know, asking and asking and asking. But ultimately she knows no is no. We've got to be no. If you say no, stick to your no. And yes is yes. And of course, ultimately then it, it, it drops from anger. She goes into depression. Why? Because those goals that she thought were important are not that important. But of course, at that stage it is. So we see those anger and uh, depression. And anxiety coming in. We'll look at those. Listen to what how we are to respond in all these areas. Acts 15, 28, 29. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality to keep yourself from these. See, there's that one. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. See, when we come to know the Lord, again, we have been transformed day by day. So we have a little bit of sanctified common sense, but also we are changing our thinking to become more like the Lord. So uh, we have our conscience is enlightened. So now we can think clearly, but we must never ever leave the Holy Spirit out because. Remember we said we can easily dupe ourselves. Self-deception is easily done. So it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. So we are, we are just linking them both. We are bringing what we feel. Say, God, why is this? What is this trying to tell me? Anger. When your activity in a relationship or project results in feelings of anger, it's usually because someone has uh, blocked your goal. Yes? Um, for example... I want to get, I'm, I'm late for work, and someone is driving down the road at 20 mile an hour. Come on! And uh, I am just in my car singing, la, 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 la. No, I'm going, come on! And of course, we get, we, nothing we can do about it, is it? We can't change how fast that person's driving, or that they just put traffic lights there. And the one thing that really bugs me, I'm driving by, there's no one doing any work, but there's traffic lights, that's, oh! Um, and, but because anger, what well, you can't do anything about that. And isn't it amazing you, when I'm in the supermarket, and maybe if I've nipped out from work and I just got about five minutes and I'm looking, looking at all the checkouts, <coughs> which is going to be the quickest, which is going to be the quickest. And you pick the quickest, you think, and then you've got something wrong with the barcode or the person can't find the price or, uh, it's maybe a, a mature folk who, who can't find their credit card who can't, <coughs> who, who, who says, do you want all the change, love? And you're thinking, no, she don't want all the change. And um, so we, anger, 
because of a blocked goal. Now, perhaps a lady, or it doesn't matter, a lady or a man, uh, has got a goal, good goal. Um, I want, my goal in life is to have a loving, harmonious, happy Christian life. And fa Christian family. It's a good goal. But if our success and our uh, satisfaction and our hope is built just on that, we're in trouble. Because it means um, there's other people involved, you know, isn't it? And other circumstances involved. And uh, we can get to a place where we can become angry and controlling, and we've defeated the object. The only thing we can, can, can control is myself. And that's the biggest problem. We'll look at that in a minute. Let's do uh, anger. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from your anger and turn from your wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, you see, the psalmist again, what did he say? Rest in the Lord. And you know what? Doesn't matter what happens around us. That personal anger, not righteous anger, it's a different thing. We were talking about that before. Anger at what I want. Don't be. Don't fret. It only leads to stupidness. Anyway, what, some of us uh, have had a bit of a temper in our past. We've done some stupid things in temper, haven't we? I've certainly said things in temper. We need to just check that when somebody or something blocks your goal, which is based on what we believe, I believe, you respond in outburst of anger, just take a look. Just take a little look at what we believe and what our goals, and what if our goals are formulated on actual Good beliefs, God's beliefs, and if they are God's goals. See, God doesn't want us to be angry, and uh, that's uh, definite, because we, he knows what it causes. So that's one, one uh, check in our, in our system. Anxiety. Um, anxiety that builds up. Well, thankfully, the Bible says, when that rises up, we've got to check ourselves. Got to check ourselves. Worry, concern. Um, God's goals will never. Why? Because we are resting in what He says. Um, Matthew 6, 11 to 14. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and the heavenly Father knows we need them. But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, what the cure for anxiety is to see the Lord, who he is, and to seek the Lord first. Real key. For example, if, if our well-being and our worth depends, say, for example, on financial success, you will definitely suffer from anxiety. Well, what the Bible said, a man who loves money never has money enough. Never has money enough. So if, if anxiety is cropping up in your life, just check Lord, what's happening? Why, why is this? Am I not seeing you clearly? Am I not seeking you first? 
Do I have goals and things in my way that I know people are hindering? They're wrong. They're based on wrong belief systems. And sadly, we can get into that place um, where there's something that is totally impossible for you um, that you've based your life on, your goal upon. Thankfully, uh, depression is not overlooked in the Bible. Of course, there, uh, there is something called clinical depression where that is a physical, chemical thing. But that is, is, is not as abounding as people think. Uh, there are people who have that, but you know what? Um, they say nowadays that uh, diagnose a depression, we've got one in ten men and one in five women. Now, that is not clinical depression. That's depressed uh, because of hopelessness, helplessness, and uh, nothing to base their life upon. Um, and we have, it, we, have, we have people in the Bible, thankfully the great men and women of God went through it, and thankfully they give us pinpoint. They tell us how to get over it, how to look for that. And again, depending on our goals. A, a lady invited her pastor around. Uh, she had been in the church many years, and her husband wasn't saved. She'd been a Christian well over 20 years, and she wanted her husband to be saved. That's a good goal. But we need to check that because she cannot, I cannot save anybody, you see. Um, I can only show them and pray for them and uh, direct them, but I can't save anybody. And of course, her whole being, his uh, satisfaction in itself was based upon her husband getting saved, and he wasn't getting saved. And the trouble is, now she was getting depressed. And of course, as soon as you go, it tests me, he was blown out the water. He was, a good, he was a good chap, but he didn't want to get saved at that time. And as soon as she saw that, she got emptier and emptier, and she thought, this is impossible. And one of the problems uh, with depression, of course, it can affect you, weakened her witness, and further obliterated her goal. Sadly, listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 42, verse 5 to 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disappointed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Amen. Great to speak to yourself. You see, what the, what the psalmist is doing, he's checking these things and why is it happening? Because if we put our focus off the Lord, off what he wants, we get most disappointed. For us as Christian parents, we want our kids to be saved. But my sense of worth and succession and to be successful is that my children will be what I want them to be. Well, sadly, if you've had kids, you know they don't do as they jolly told. You'd like them to, but they don't. And of course, if, if that's my goal, and you know, you'll be more disappointed. You'll be more, and depression will come in because it is not really, it's a desire, a good desire. But a goal is something that I cannot, that I can control on myself, and I can't because the people, we have a faulty concept of, of, of how things work. Well, the psalmist, thankfully, again, we just read one psalm. How about this psalm? Psalm 13. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? 
How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, for I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. It's a great psalm, isn't it? See, David starts out with, I suppose, in one sense, a faulty concept of God. How long, O Lord, have you forgot me? As if God could do that. And how long will you hide your face from me? How long will the enemy triumph over me? And of course, thankfully, David answers, he gets into God's presence. See, when we get there, we begin to, uh, we, we, we verbalize our mourning and groaning. God, why isn't this happening? Why is this a problem? Why aren't they coming to the Lord? Get before the Lord. Take it to him. Then, thankfully, he, his, his mind, the Lord's changing his direction, changing his heart, and he begins to say, Lord, all I can, all I can manage is myself, knowing you, loving you, being like you, and worshipping you. See, our um, goals can be uh, a frustration to us. We can either try and manipulate, circumstances, and control other people, or we can change our goals to bring them in line with God's goals for our lives. So important. You see, I suppose if, if, if a minister, had a, uh, his, his, his goal was to have the best um, youth ministry in, in, in the valley, we would say it's a good goal. But of course, they're dependent on many things, isn't it? Dependent on many things. Good desire it should be, not a goal. Because, see, ultimately, my goal and your goal should be the best person we can be for Jesus, to follow him. If, if our um, sense of worth depends on how our children, as we just said, our children turn out, and we want them to be this, this, and this, we're heading for real trouble. See, what we have to do is to instill God's word into them, show them what being the Lord is like, and let God do his work. Why? Because God is the one who saves. God is the one who saves. Sadly, um, we see when we manipulate or um, try and control, we show really our insecurity and our, and our lack of understanding for who the Lord is. We get bitter instead of better. We become angry, resentful. Or some, sometimes simply resort to a martyr's complex. Oh, woe is me. Like that lady whose husband didn't get saved. Oh, woe is me. Instead of understanding when we shine for Jesus, let me tell you, people will come. Uh, what is, what is the Bible, how does the Bible say about uh, winning your, your wife or your husband, your wife, uh, your husband? Be like, show Jesus with that, that beautiful spirit. He said, like Sarah, call him master. What is it? But it's, it's all about spirit, isn't it? All about attitude. All about attitude. When we are changed, it's amazing God brings fruit. Hopelessness means we've put our eyes on the wrong thing, the eyes on the wrong goal, the eyes on the wrong person and, and thinking. So we have to turn our bad goals into good goals. Thankfully, no God-given goal is impossible, uncertain, or can be blocked. Why? Because it's between you and him. Now, they may seem impossible, as we look at one in a moment, we may seem impossible to us, 
But the only person who can block it is you. As we said on Sunday, our greatest problem is me. Not anyone else, not anybody else. Greatest problem, me. That's why I have to decrease. He has to increase. Let's read this beautiful picture. Um, we may think this is impossible, but not with God. Luke 1. How will this be, Mary asked the angel? Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High plans and purposes and goals for your life can only be hindered by you. Um, no one, you see, we stand before the Lord one day and we'll say, him, her, him, and God will say, no, 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 no. See, the only thing that could stop Mary being uh, the mother of Jesus, bearing the Emmanuel, Jesus, was her. With nothing else, only her response. Lord, I'm your servant. Do to me as your word says. Now she could have said, no. No, of course she could have. That was her choice. But no one else would have been to blame. It was up to her. Desire. Now we've got to bring our desires and goals into um, a godly goal. Any specific, this is the definition, any specific orientation that reflects God's purpose for your life and does not depend on people or circumstances beyond your ability or right to control. Now, can I just say, be careful there, because, you know, if God asks you to do something, uh, run with him. If he wants to bring people into place or move the king's heart in a way that he will, he can do that. Don't worry about it. Be obedient to God's will. I've said this before in that, those times when I've had to, had to go and uh, uh, called rest I remember reading about restitution from Finney and going to different people and different things and making things right. And uh, it's really difficult sometimes saying sorry or saying I should have done this and I didn't do that. And uh, you know what? The great thing I found is when we're obedient to God, God's already gone ahead of us and maybe spoken to a person or dealt with a situation. Uh, but we've got to be obedient. We can't do anything about, as we said before, uh, about that person. We've got to forgive. We we can't do anything about what they think, but we're responsible for me. So our desire and goal. Godly desires, brilliant. Godly desires that I want my family saved, absolutely. That is a godly desire, and we are looking for it to be fulfilled. But I can't save them. So it's not of my control. It's not a goal because I can't save anybody. Now, I can get stuck into them, as we do, don't we? Oh, but even there, we've got to be careful. Well, if they're family, I, I can't blanch. You, you're having it. Because you should know the Lord by now, some of them. Um, but that's a desire, a goodly desire. A godly desire, any specific route depends on the cooperation of other people, the success of events or favorable circumstances, which have no, you have no right or ability to control. So sometimes, for our own sake, we have to downgrade those godly goals to godly desires. 
I suppose some people would say, well, that's just um, mixing with our words, but it's very important because it'll save us from those emotions that so often cripple people, don't they? So, so many people are, and <clears throat> I was just talking to a few just about some ministers who've given up, given up um, just lately. And I'm thinking, okay. And maybe, maybe they've, they've put their, their worth and their, on, on a particular success. And you know what? Ultimately, I can only answer, I will be answerable, of course, to, 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 to lead it. And, uh, but ultimately, I've, I can only, only make myself the better person in the Lord. And out of that, you're going to benefit, aren't you? He says, hopefully. Um, and you see, but I, I, if I want you to, to do more for the Lord, I can encourage you, but I can't do it for you. Can I? I can, if I want to win, the, win this, this village to the Lord, I can't do that on my own. But it's dependent on each other. So that's a good desire. But if I make it a goal, then I'll end up angry, anxious, depressed. Great, a crucial difference. Because life throws different things. There's plenty. If it's a desire, you will have disappointments. But that's not, life is full of disappointments, as we said before. So what we do with the disappointments, does it lead us back to the Lord and, and listening to him, turning to him? Of course, we understand that God, God's got great desires. God's desire is that none would perish or would come to repentance. Is that going to happen? Of course not. Some will not repent. Some will not come to the Lord. So um, it, it, that's a desire of the Lord. So we can get a picture of, of God, God's goals, God's desires. His desires for people to come to the Lord, to turn to him. What about this desire of the Lord? I write this to you so that you will not sin. Oh, that's a good desire from the Lord wants us to be running clear. and He doesn't want us to sin, does he? How many of us have sinned this week? We won't put our show of hands. But we, that's a good desire. But, of course, uh, it's not something that can be fulfilled fully. But genuine goals, God has got some genuine goals, of course he has. He will return. That's independent of what we're going to do. It doesn't matter what's happening in America, what's happening in Britain. It doesn't matter what God will reach. Jesus will return. That's a certainty. And as we look at the state of things, it's very soon. We can understand that. The Bible tells us about the signs. Very clear. Very soon. Um, the Bible says Jesus will build his church. He will build his church. That's that's, that's his goal. Jesus said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's something that is absolutely going to happen. Changing our desires and goals. Or if the woman um, said, well, my desire is to have a happy, harmonious family life. It's, that's a good godly desire. But her goal should be becoming the wife and the mother God wants me to be. See, that's the goal, because she can determine that herself. It's irrespective. Now she can say, well, um, my husband is, is this, and my kids are that. Well, so, so. But that, should, that will never affect your goal to become the mother and the woman and the wife that God wants us to be. That is a good goal. That is a goal. Should be our goal. Ephesians 5 is very clear. That should be our goal. She may object. She may say, well, what if my husband is having a midlife crisis or my children rebel? Well, problems like that are not going to block her goal, are they? 
to be a wife or a mother or a, a woman of God. In fact, such trials will test her faith. Of course you will. Um, but will strengthen her resolve to realize that her husband at that time needs a wife with a solid foundation. And her children who are rebelling need to know what mum thinks. Need to know the mum is still praying and being. Family difficulties just refine your goal to be the woman that God wants her to be. Whatever that is, husband, wife. See, as husbands, as we said before, to love our wife as Christ loved the church. That's a goal. That's a goal. It, you see, it doesn't matter what she is like then, does it? It doesn't matter if she's this or that, and we can list them. Um, it doesn't matter. That should not affect my goal because that's the goal that God gives me. Personal goal. God ultimately um, that's our goal that's God's goal for you see what is my goal for this year there it is that's for every one of us is to become the person God has called you to be um, as we said before we looked at those verses uh, we looked at God's will for our lives God's will is that you are saved sanctified what is sanctified I think you give a definition it really means to be more like Jesus less of me more of him more holy, more separate to him. Uh, God's desire is for us to be secure. God's desire, God's will is for us to serve him. God's will, we don't like this last one. We told about this the other day. God's will is for suffering. Ooh, Dave, yes, it is for suffering. Why? Because out of it produces character, perseverance. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it to a joy, my brothers and sisters, many face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If anybody lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to consider it pure joy oh dear is it see this is different from the world thinks because we're on a different agenda god is into into making us more like him as we said before god's megaphone those difficulties produce in us the characteristics of christ how can you be more patient unless someone tests that patience isn't it unless someone winds you up Oh, I'm the most patient person in the world, you could say. Well, God say, let's have a little look then. And he'll send a person that's going to wind you up. Why? That produces patience. Because then it's the obedience to God's word. No one or nothing can stop you getting there. See, no one can stop you getting to, to know the Lord and be, being what the Lord was. This is, a, this is it. It's about character, what we are like, rather than what we do. God wants us to be doing and to be serving but not more than our character and who we are. See, first and foremost, I'm a child of the Lord, and my relationship with him is the first and foremost, before anybody, anything else, and out of that, doing for the Lord, doing for the Lord. Suppose a couple come, uh, well, the wife comes, the husband doesn't come, and um, we're having difficulty, we're having real problems. In fact, he's just about to go, and... Um, what do you say? Good question. Good say. 
uh, we could say we'll, 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 we'll get him back for you. We'll try and do this. And uh, again, good goals, good desires, but maybe not the right goal. This, what about this? I'll help you work through the crisis, produce perseverance to become the person God wants you to be. Talking to the wife now. If you haven't committed yourself to being the wife and the mother God has called you to be, let's do that now. You can't change him, but you can change yourself. Which sometimes, more than sometimes, probably is the best way you can win anyone back anyway. But even whatever happens, your character will be proven. She might rightly say, well, the problem is 90% his. It's never 90% anybody else, but that's what she's saying. But you know what? We're going to say to her, we have no control over that. You've got no control over that. By committing yourself to change and to know the Lord and to show the Lord, that's all you can determine and commit to. Trials and tribulations can not always reveal wrong goals. Because as we said before, God is looking to do a work. But changing, changing. Defeated spouses, the trouble is with us, then, once we have all these things, defeated spouses can say, my marriage is hopeless. They try to solve the problem by getting another one. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That don't work either. Um, uh, this, this job, I've had enough of this job, I'm going to change it. I've had enough of this church, this church is hopeless, I'm going to change it. And of course, we end up changing the superficial, that which is around us. And we're just running from really our own immaturity. Are running from our own immaturity. Why? Because we love to change everything else except me. And you think the only thing I can do is change me. I can change this, I can change that, but you know what? That won't help. Now, there are times where we do move jobs and we sometimes move churches, I suppose. Um, but not out of those that thinking only when God asks us and directs us. He's a Christian salesman, and uh, he had deadlines, always deadlines to sell, sell, sell. And of course, when the deadlines came, he would, he would get frustrated, he would get angry, and uh, he would get on the phone to the customer, and he'd be giving them stick. People in the office, he'd be giving stick. And uh, uh, he didn't have a great reputation, really. And then he heard about getting goals and desires and changing and, and knowing Controlling what you can in his, his behavior, his responses, reactions. And um, so much so that he left it in God's hands. So much so that he, he would even talk a customer out of a sale if he knew it wasn't right for them. But you know what? In and out, out of that, his sales targets were always met, fulfilled. And the boss got him in and said, what's changed with you? What's changed with you? Why? He changed his goals. He changed what he could change with himself. Some would say, is there an easier way to change our lives other than entering difficulties and problems? No. <laughs> we would say, I wish there was, and we've tried it. We like the easy option. Of course we do. But to make maturity that makes life meaningful, those difficult problems are found also. The most verdant and fertile land is where? Not on the mountaintop, but in the valley. We love mountaintops, don't we? Oh, we have the, the, the scenery, the view is fantastic. And God sometimes gives us that lovely view. 
but for life and for growth and fertility, you've got to get in the valley. You've got to get in the valley and see what God is going to do. Well, persevering through difficulty troubles is proving, proving our character. Tries to reveal sometimes wrong goes, not always, and help us become maturity. To maturity. Well, of course, goal is to become more like him. Our goal, what does the Bible say? Jesus say, love God and love others. That's the two commandments. The two commandments. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's our, there's, our, there's our goal. We're walking in love. We're going. We're following Jesus. We're looking at Jesus, and we're following his direction and guidance. Uh, becoming more like him. And, of course, how do we do that? The disciple is what? We must. The must, we may look at Sunday, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, follow him. And uh, we have authority over me. <laughs> no authority over anyone else. When the kids are growing up, you know, authority get, get when they get over that age. But up until then, we are authority over ourselves. Thomas, uh, when he left fellowship, when he left the, the, being out of fellowship with the Lord and the believers, he did not believe God's word. I will not, he said. I will not. But when we come into, into fellowship with the Lord, come into fellowship with each other, we get under his word, remember his word. Our goal is to live and to love and to be like him. What does it say? We are blocked, angry, anxious, depressed. When our goal is love, anger gives way to patience, gives way to peace, anxiety does. Depression gives way to joy. Why? Because the Bible says, Romans 5, didn't it? We, we take great delight in our, our sufferings. What does he say? Um, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, hope, disappointment, because God has poured out his love, shed abroad his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, of course, we have a default position, as we said, with our emotions before. James 5, 13 to 16. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointed him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Great default position there. Happy? Praise the Lord. Difficulty? Pray. Illness? Get the people around. Get it with the people. So pray for you. There's our default. Next time we'll be looking at eight areas, specific areas. You can find those in the back of there. And maybe tick those and, and uh, do the questionnaire before we come back next week. Last is um, our man. There was a man who was asleep in the house and he was suddenly woken up. Jesus appeared in the room and uh, the room was filled with light. The Lord said, I've got a work for you to do. He showed him a large rock. He said, I want you to push that rock every day with all your might. This man did it. And for many days he worked from sunup to sundown. He put his shoulders square behind that cold, unresponsive surface of the rock, pushing with all his might. Each night the man returned home. The house sore from pushing his muscles and he's worn out wondering if his whole day had been spent in vain. Seeing the man was showing signs of discouragement, 
Satan came along, as he does. And he said, you sure God told you to do this? He brings doubt. Then he brings discouragement. Well, what's the point in killing yourself? You're never going to move this. You've been out there such a long time. You haven't even scratched the surface, he says. The man begins to give the impression that the task is impossible. And he's, he's an unworthy servant because he wasn't able to move the massive stone. These thoughts discouraged him, disheartened him. And he started to eat up on his efforts. Why should I kill myself, he thought. I'll just put in a little bit of time, expend a minimum amount of effort, and that will be good enough. And that's what he did. Well, that's what he planned to do until he went to the Lord. Oh, it was the best place to go, Psalm 73. Remember, I went to the Lord. I went to the house of the Lord. I said, Lord, I've been working hard and long in your service, using all my strength that you've asked me. Yet, after all this time, I haven't even nudged the rock even a small millimeter. What's wrong? Am I failing you? And the Lord comes and says, My son, when long ago I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you to push against the rock with all your strength. That's what you've done. Never once did I mention I expect you to move it, at least not by yourself. Your task was to push. Now come to me, all discouraged. Now you come to me, all discouraged, thinking you've failed, ready to give up. But is that true? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back is sinewed and bronzed. Your hands are calloused. Your legs have become massive and strong and physical and hard. Through opposition, you've grown much, and your ability now far surpasses that which you used to have. Yet you still haven't succeeded in moving the rock, and you come to me now with a heavy heart and your strength spent. I say, my son, I will move the rock. Your calling was to be obedient and to push, to exercise your faith and to trust in my wisdom, and this you have done. Bless the Lord. Ask God's, God's work is to bring fruit. Our job is to be obedient, listen, follow hard, look to Him, keep our eyes on Him, see Him, seek Him, and get those goals that God wants right, to know Him, to show Him, oh, and, and to bring those goals that we thought were goals down to desires, good desires to pray over, not to let's forget them, no, 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 but to distinguish what God wants to do in our lives. Bless the Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.